Hello and welcome again to Punks on the Pitch podcast. Uh, this is our Monday edition. This is going to be kind of uh, an overview of the weekend's actions as such. But as we are recording this on a Sunday afternoon, it's going to be focused on Saturday's action. Uh, the idea of this part of the show is to be more of kind of talking about the hot topics rather than it being uh, match reports and match reviews. Um, again, you're not going to be just hearing my rambling voice. I am joined by a very, very good friend of mine. Uh, he goes under mono- many monarchies, but we're calling him Denaley. So, Naley, thank you very much for, for joining me. How are you doing, my friend? I'm good, thank you. I'm good. Uh, been working. How are you? Yeah, not too bad, mate. Not too bad. Enjoying the, the football's back. We've had match day one on Saturday. Um, to give everybody a bit of a, an insight, Naley is a massive Liverpool fan. Um, and we're going to kickstart things there. But how we're starting all episodes, asking my guests, as this is Punks on the p- Pitch, what music have you been listening to, D? Uh, to be honest, I've only listened to about three albums all year. Uh, <laughs> But it's a bit like Drain, California Cursed, Run the Jewels, RTJ4, and the Lawrence Arms Skeleton Coast, and just those. Nice. I mean, that Drain record is just fucking insane. That's on heavy rotation oh, for me as well. Killer, killer album. Like, probably like soundtrack my entire lockdown. Just yeah, yeah. <laughs> that album. Yeah. No, that's that's cool. Well, yeah, good good three choices I think to have on yeah. heavy rotation. <laughs> But yeah, obviously, you being a, a Liverpool fan, champions sort of, well, in a weird season last year, yeah. but obviously I think they were kind of looking at winning it anyway. Um, I guess before we kind of get into the match with Leeds, like, what are your kind of expectations for this year? Like, where do you do you think they'll be pushing to retain? Are you well, a bit more pessimistic? Um, I'm, I'm optimistic. Uh we're still a very good team. Um, obviously, last year completely dominated it, uh, which I don't think anyone expected. Um, and it, I was sceptical last year because we didn't sign anyone after a very good season and other teams were, and we just went on a rampage. And we haven't signed anyone this year, apart from a backup left-back, but we seem to... I'm optimistic that we've still got that good team from last year, so we should still be able to keep going forward yeah and you know still have that passion and that desire to go on and win and keep winning is is there like a danger though that if Klopp doesn't bring in fresh blood that people are going to become sort of smart to what Liverpool are doing and that could kind of cancel it out yeah I, I think so and I think um but if you look at previous teams that have dominated, but like Ferguson's Man United, uh, Bayern Munich and stuff, they, they're continuously bringing in new players to yeah. freshen up that team and keep going forward. Obviously, you've got some good youngsters that are coming free, um, but yeah, it's a bit, I don't think you can, like every year, I think you need to improve somewhere and you can't just keep the same team three years in a row and hope that it's going to work. <laughs> yeah. Right. Well, 
Tottenham a couple of years ago when they didn't sign anyone and they just fell off completely. Yeah, yeah. Well, obviously it was a, I guess a bit of a kind of a ropey start for for the champions in in a really entertaining game, which was four three against yeah. newly promoted Leeds. Like, I I've got to be totally honest. I was a bit of a blind spot with Leeds. Like, I mean, I know obviously like the history with them and stuff, but in terms of them coming up, I hadn't really kind of kept tabs on what they've been doing. But they kind of came into the game looking completely fearless and just sort of having a go at it. So like. I don't know from your perspective because, uh, like, from a neutral, it was a fantastic game. Yeah. Obviously, you've got sort of all the goals going in left, right, and centre. <laughs> like there was, I think there was like what five goals in the first twenty minutes, kind of thing. Yeah. So yeah, w- like, were you nervous of how Liverpool performed, or were you more impressed with what Leeds had to offer? I was. To be honest, I was very impressed with what Leeds had to offer. I had kept a little bit of a track on them um, last season in the Championship. And I knew that uh, the, the kind of football they'd be playing. Mm. And I'm glad that they kept it up, not kept it up. It's something that it was, I thought it'd be a much easier win. Um, like, I'd, from what I looked at, it seemed very much like year 10 versus year 11. <laughs> yeah. That, like, they were both very good teams, but you're just like, Liverpool kind of watching it just felt like they weren't. In the, especially in defence, they were just like weren't taking it that seriously, and then would just be like, like knew they were good enough. Where Leeds were like, well, we are, you know we're going to take it to you, and they seemed to yeah, yeah. Well. And I think they kept that from the championship. And I think uh, I'm going to butcher the manager's name every time I try and say it. Uh, Marco Bielsa, Biasi, I think it is yeah. He is seems to built something really special there. And like mm. him staying on seems to be a big boost for the lead fans and the lead team. So they, hopefully they take it all the way this season. Well, I feel like they could be another Wolves and yeah, trouble the top top half. Yeah, especially with like the money they've kind of invested. Like I know we didn't really see too many of the big money signings sort of yesterday because Biazzi wanted to sort of keep that championship sort of like roots, mm. like uh, the backbone in in that side. But like. I think straight away, like the equalising goal from um, Jack Harrison was just fucking unreal. Like the way that he just like took on the Liverpool defence and decided to just, oh. it was almost like a statement of like, this is what Leeds is about kind of thing. Yeah, I'd watched like, uh, I'd picked out like Harrison and uh, Kilk as well. On yeah. Side. Both just seemed to be like, you know, and Patrick Bamford front was like, this is Leeds, this is how we're going to play. And this is, we're going to take it to you. And I think they're... Um, I'm really looking forward to seeing them play other teams. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I am as well now. And I think, like, there's there's always that kind of... Not not scepticism, maybe, like, cynicism with, like, promoted teams, like... Which is stupid, because we've seen over the last couple of years, like, even Brighton to an extent, but, like, and Bournemouth and Burnley, okay, they've had a bit more of a a dogged experience of like just grinding out results. But in the last couple of years, like we've seen Wolves come up and just go hell for leather, like Sheffield United last year, they were a bit more kind of reserved in their approach, but they grind, they got those results and they surprised teams. So I think Leeds are kind of taken that kind of blueprint and 
put their own spin on it, which is which is cool. Yeah, I think I don't think there's that same fear for championship teams anymore coming up that they are going to have to struggle. Uh, yeah, you come up and you retain your your roots. But I guess like you can make it work. So I think you look at uh, Aston Villa with like last year they brought in loads of new players. And they didn't really make the same effect as Sheffield United, who kind of kept their basis from the championship and didn't buy in lots. I think that's what you like. Leeds haven't seemed to buy in a lot of team, a lot of players, but kept their kept their championship team. Just you know, tweaked it, bought a few things that they needed, but kept that team. I think that's what's going to really help them, like keeping that basis from the year before. Yeah. Momentum. And in terms of kind of Liverpool, like you kind of touched upon it a minute ago, but the one thing, it might just be first game sort of back jitters or whatever, but it's weird because we haven't really had that long a break. But there did seem to be sort of defensive frailties, especially with the third Leeds goal. Yeah. And no, was it the third one? The one where Van Dyke made a massive cock oh, up. Um, Bamford since the second. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But obviously, again, like that, what Liverpool have always seemed to do, especially under Klopp, is no matter how many goals they concede, they're always going to score more kind of thing. Yeah. Is that a worry for you, being a Liverpool fan, that I should... there's still that defensive frailty when you've got arguably the best defender in the world yeah. making those mistakes? Uh, I think it was a case of, I, I don't think we're going to see those mistakes again. Um I think that was the first game, possibly going into it with a bit too much swagger of like being the champions, coming off like that phenomenal last points of just being one of the best teams in the world. Um, and then, yeah, I think I think that will get. I think Klopp will knock that out of them within this week. Yeah, like being like, look, you need to take it a bit more seriously. You can't just walk in and be like, I am Van Dyke. I am, because he should have dealt with that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean... I, but I guess, on the other side, he did score that insanely good header. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, the other um, kind of like Premier League match that I wanted to kind of touch upon is say we're not going to do match by match, mm-hmm. but the one that kind of kicked everything off was obviously London Derby, Fulham v Arsenal. Um, the reason like I've brought this up and like we kind of threw notes to each other when we were kind of talking beforehand was I guess kind of like Arteta's approach now like this being his first full season as manager and I think even like just looking at the Charity Shield match like he's kind of already bought in this mentality to Arsenal and I was interested to see how they kind of came out in this game particularly with new signings like Willian and Gabriel, who I both think had incredible debuts for, for the Gunners. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I think, like, in stark contrast, it maybe wasn't as entertain, entertaining a game as Liverpool-Leeds was, but I think it was a good curtain raiser for Arsenal and for Arteta to say Arsenal could potentially be a threat again. I don't know. Like, how did you kind of see it? Yeah, I saw it as so... I think that Arsenal, I think they looked really, really good. Um, I, I was really impressed with William. Um, 
it looked looks like something that Arsenal have been missing, maybe. Yeah. It was like, and um, yeah, I think like definitely you need to be looking at them for top four, maybe like a, a cup trophy run. I don't yeah. Think they'll be challenging for the title, but oh, they'd, they'd be long shots for the title. We're not saying they can't do it, uh, but I definitely think they should be getting back into that top four. Um, cracking it like and teams like Chelsea and United should be worried about Arsenal yeah definitely yeah and I think like as you say Willian was it's weird because I think when he first arrived at Chelsea he didn't really seem like much of a player but then out of nowhere he just seemed to become really good yeah and the fact that he's now come to Arsenal on a free as well, like, I don't know, maybe ask question marks of, of maybe not like Frank Lampard, because obviously he's building a team, but like why he was allowed to, to go on a free and to a London rival as well, like in that aspect. Yeah, I think that is something they need to maybe look back at in the board and be... Should we sold him in January when you could still get some money for him? Um, yeah. Because he's, like you said, when he first joined Chelsea, you didn't really know much about him. I think it did he come from like Russia or somewhere. Like, um, and like you said, yeah, over the last couple of seasons, he's really like developed into this player like that's a solid player and something that was a big part of the previous Chelsea teams. And now he looks like he's going to be a big part of this Arsenal team. Um, mm. I think he was involved in all three goals yesterday. Yeah, I, th- I think like there was like some I can't remember off the top of my head, but there was like a weird stat saying that he's like Arsenal's highest assist in 2020 already, or something like that. <laughs> well, <laughs> that is. Uh, Probably. <laughs> yeah. Right, they haven't been the great... It's, it's, it's weird with Arsenal. They used to be a much more dominant team, and they, especially last season, it was very, like, shaky for them. Mm. I, think, I think Arteta has... Obviously, coming in in January, it's hard to... Or, like, mid-season, it's hard to really make a massive impact on the team. Yeah, yeah. But... I think now you can see that this is an Arteta team, and you can see what his what he wants to do, and uh, his like his studying under Guardiola and stuff like that. It's going to be a, it's going to be a good season, I reckon. So it'll be interesting to watch it. Yeah, I definitely feel like they have kind of kind of found their identity again under Arteta. Like, because yeah. if you like, if you think back to like the Invincibles year and things like that. And like, okay, towards the end of his his tenure, like Arsene Wenger did feel very stale, but at least he kind of had a way of of playing, and it was a recognisable Arsenal sort of way. Yeah. Whereas like since then, it's been very kind of stop start. Like they didn't really know where they were going, and it. I, I guess like under Arteta, he knows the Arsenal setup anyway. Like being a former player. But it, it kind of feels like he's now kind of brought some stability to that side. So, yeah, I'm excited to see what they kind of have 
to offer for the rest of the season as well. It's what we're about, high energy, keeping the ball and then uh, being clinical up top. As I said, with this kind of show, we're going to like look at the game as a whole and thing as it, with it being punks on the pitch, like punk sort of aspects to the game. And I think not, nothing says punk more than coming up from the non-league and then just completely ripping to shreds of the league team, um, even if it is Southend United who are struggling town anyway. Uh, we're talking about Harrogate Town. They came up uh, from the National League to play their first ever League 2 match and came out 4-0 winners, um, which I think was like, I love watching the highlights, like by no means a stretch of the imagination does the scoreline flatter them because like Southend had chances, they just didn't really take them. But yeah, I love seeing this kind of thing when you see a non-league team and come up and they're not struggling straight off the bat. So yeah, what was your kind of yeah, take on the game? I I, I watched, uh, watched the highlights thing and it's it looked really good. I was really impressed with like them coming up and just I don't like, I don't know how they played in the national league, but I was. It just seemed to come up and really like take it to South End. Yeah. And I think all four of those goals, if they were scored higher in the top flights, you people would be talking a lot more about it. But none of them yeah, were yeah. or like scrappy. They were all like hard hitting swingers, like so yeah, I think they'd be interesting. I think they were really good, like watching that. I, I don't watch a lot of non league football or like the lower leagues, but it was it was good to watch this little team come up and take on, you know, in their first ever league game, just go at it and not be scared, not be, not be like awestruck by the whole sense of the occasion or anything like that. Yeah, and I think it's kind of showed like the the gap between league football and non-league is definitely sort of like closing down now. Like I remember, like years ago you'd have like a team come up from what was then the conference and it'd be like one in 10, they'd sort of stay up for another season kind of thing. But we're seeing more regularly that there isn't that sort of golfing class. And I don't, as the same, like I'm kind of hoping through this show is to kind of dig into these clubs a bit more, but I don't know too much about like the background of Harrogate or anything like that, but it seems like they're a well put together team. The and as you say, like they weren't scrapping. They played the ball well. That first goal by Jack Muldoon was a quite a classy finish, and even his second one as well. So he's obviously going to be a guy that's now going down in arrogant <laughs> folklore kind of thing. Yeah, no, they were. I was. I think it's really good. Um, and like you said, they used to. The, these, these non-league teams used to just bounce up and down. Um, they said very rarely would they hang around in the league. But I think you are like, yeah, I think you are getting more teams that are being able to hold themselves uh, in the league when they finally get there. And hopefully Harrogate, these stick around. And mm. I, I'm not imagining like a, a strong run and then rumping up the leagues, but hopefully they don't just go straight back down again and they can hang around for a bit and yeah. build a base to try and move forward from there. And just in terms of kind of their opponents, like Southend obviously getting relegated from, from League One last year, 
like it wasn't particularly a, a graceful outing for for them and i don't know like southend's been like a weird team for me because like, i remember like uh probably about five six years ago i had a weird affinity with them and i did a fifa run with them for some <laughs> weird reason but they're like a team that i know for pompey a couple of years they were like a bit of a bogey team but they just seem to have kind of dropped off the face of the earth now a little bit in terms of where the momentum's going. So do you feel that, like, I guess coming out and losing 4-0 to Harrogate, I know this is not doing a disservice to Harrogate, but is there a way that they can kind of they need, can kind of pick themselves up? I know it's only game one, but it's got to be deflating, isn't it? Yeah, you, you, you'd hope so. Um, it's definitely, yeah, you don't, you don't want to go out on your just after getting relegated to lose to the team that's got promoted. Um, yeah, yeah. It's and you know four 0 is a bad looking scoreline, uh, but I think I think they probably just got to pick themselves up and go again. I mean Southend was probably I think the last time I went to Fratton Park it was Pompey Southend, yeah, and they didn't look great then. Um, so I don't think they've got anything too worried about, but it's. Losing your first game 4-0 is pretty disheartening for any team. Losing it when you've just been relegated to a debuting team is <laughs> yeah. a bit more. Cool. And then uh, the other kind of team that I want to kind of focus on before we get onto the Punks on the Pitch podcast team, High, um, High Wickham? Wickham Wanderers. Nearly, nearly got it wrong. Uh, Charlton Athletic. The reason I wanted to kind of talk about them is because we've seen in the past sort of weeks and months they've kind of had issues going on behind the scenes in terms of like buyers and like the club kind of almost disappearing off the face of the earth, almost getting demoted a league and things like that. But they've kind of taken all the off pitch issues. And that hasn't carried on to the pitch, and they came out 2 0 winners away to Crew Alexander. So, like, again, I think you're, you might be the same as me, I don't know, but when I was younger, like, Charlton were always a team that were pushing either in the Premier League or doing well in the in Division One, yeah. which was obviously now the Championship. But they were a, t- a consistently average, decent team, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. So, it's, I don't know, it's, I hate seeing like teams like that fall a bit by the wayside, like being a Pompey fan, I've seen it first-hand kind of thing. But I don't know, like, can this, can the off-field issues be something that sparks them to do better on the pitch? Yeah, I mean, I think the it's, it's tough, it's a tough situation because you can see there's been plenty of times when uh, off pitch has really had a negative effect on the pitch. Um, yeah, I think with Pompey like fell down the leagues. Um, obviously didn't help you. Kept on getting points deductions. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but then if you look on the other side, you look at Southampton where they had the points deductions and almost went on to get promoted in the same season. So I think yeah. Do, I think hopefully it'll do both. And like you say, Charlton were one of those teams that were always around. Um, you know, they're, they're always floating around those top two leagues. And it, it would be a shame to see them like drop out 
completely or fall apart. Um, and then, you know, it, it, it was a good showing yesterday. Two like two nil, good good result for them. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, hopefully they don't fall apart, and hopefully, yeah, they can leave the off pitch stuff off the pitch, and hope and the people in the club that are dealing with that can sort it out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. No, I think like especially with it being an away win, it's obviously like a good sort of basis for them. And yeah, I say like I, I I don't really kind of know too much about the squad they've got at the moment. They've I mean they looked fairly decent. Crew didn't put in a bad performance, but I guess is at the end of the day, it's goals that matter, sort of thing. So yeah, you just kind of hope that this is something that they can they can build upon. But yeah, so good from both teams. I think they both. Are. Yeah. So yeah, we'll get on to our team of the season, which is Wickham Wanderers, having their first ever outing in the in the championship. Came away without the, a point, unfortunately, mm. coming away with a a one nil defeat in the sort of eighty eighth minute, which is which is heartbreaking for the chair chair boys. Even nearly got the nickname wrong. Could have got stick straight away. Um, <laughs> But I think a fairly decent outing for them. Like they they didn't shy away. They had a couple of decent efforts, um, and yeah, like I'm glad with with how they kind of done, and I'm I'm looking forward to kind of see what they do for the rest of the season. Yeah, I mean, I I, I looked at it, and obviously the uh, Rotherham also promoted last season, um, and they looked. It did look good, but it, it looked like a League One game. And yeah. I'd be worried when they come against like the established championships and the relegated Prem teams. But hopefully that's maybe it's just a little bit of you know, cobwebs and a bit of nerves and they'll be able to take it's you know, championships one of the hardest leagues in the world. Like yeah. you can beat every team on their day. So hopefully, yeah. It looked like I looked. It looked good for Wickham, but it looked very much like a League One game. And when they come up against Bournemouth and Watford and Derby, Forest, I think maybe it's hopefully they'll there be take some cavalier spirit to it and they take it to the teams and not shy like fall apart. <laughs> yeah, and I think like. Okay, yeah, they did concede the late goal, but they seemed to be a team that's quite well beat, built defensively. Yeah. So I guess that's the case with any team that kind of comes up. You want that sort of solid back line. So I guess like my optimistic mind is that, that okay, they may not like necessarily come away with wins all the time against, as you say, like mm. your Bournemouths and your Watfords and things like that, but... I, I, I'm just hoping they put in good showings and they don't get sort of trounced week in week yeah. out. No, I, 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 hopefully, I think they can, like you say, you've got, the teams have a good for, like back four basis and if they can build off that, it should be good. I mean, defences don't win you games, but they stop you from losing games. So hopefully that'll be a, yeah. a good thing for them. And uh, yeah, be interesting how they go from here when they run the ball. Fight. There's a lot of games they've got to play, 
there's going to be a lot of bigger teams that they're going to come up against, and hopefully they'll, like you say, won't show away from it, show put a good innings in, and maybe steal a couple of points here and there. Yeah, and I think to to emphasize the the reason we've kind of well, I know we did the pick out of the hat for this team, but literally two days after we recorded, there was an article came out that Gareth Dainsworth is a frontman for a rock and roll band, so yeah. he fits fits in very nicely with what we're doing over here. So, so Gareth, if by any chance you listen to this, you're welcome on the show anytime. <laughs> So, yeah, so uh, something else that we want to kind of bring to to this show is either like an audacious scoreline or something that kind of really stands out to us each week, uh, no matter what league it's from. But this just so happens to be from the WSL, uh, in where Arsenal women's team came away nine one winners against a very lackluster West Ham women's team. Um, merely they went down to 10, 10 women, but. I think regardless of that, Arsenal were always going to be dominant in this game. Um, as I've mentioned in, in the first show, I'm still kind of learning about the WSL, but already after like two two games, Arsenal will clearly have good firepower in uh, Jill Rod, um, Miedemar and um, Beth Mead in that kind of front front three sort of prong a, a attack so they're going to be a force no matter what but this was just ridiculous I think like even by goal seven and goal eight they kind of looked a bit embarrassed but so yeah what was your kind of takeaway from this game uh I like same as you I don't know a lot about the women's uh women's football in the WSL but just what what it's one of those things you sit there and you're just like what is going on (laughs) yeah um that Jill Rod has back-to-back hat tricks. Yeah, which like, is insane. It's it's ridiculous. Like I was watching the highlights of that game, and it was almost you know like the the Simpsons meme was like, "Stop, he's already dead." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like it's just, like, I felt bad for West Ham. Uh, obviously, like you say, losing uh, losing a player. I think it was a captain as well, like in the yeah, yeah. early on. Um, probably did not help, and you needed someone to bring the team together. But yeah, what a performance from the Arsenal ladies. Like, that was absolutely ridiculous. Like, yeah. when, you, like when you said about it, um, I, I didn't, hadn't seen the scoreline until I went and checked it, and I was just like, oh, oh my God. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> And I don't say I always you always love a, a big, but especially as a neutral, yeah, big crazy scoreline is just phenomenal. And they, they really and and it was a good performance as well. Like I don't I, I don't have a lot to track it against, um, but compared to just general performances, like it's a, it's a really good showing for that team. I think Arsenal ladies probably are going to run away with that league. Look at it. I think yeah, thirteen goal difference already. Yeah, yeah, and that's the thing. Like you mentioned, Rod having like back to back hat tricks. It it kind of shows that there's still not quite a uh, a perfect balance with like the attention that the men's game and the women's game is getting. Because 
if that was Mo Salah or Sergio Aguero or someone like that, yeah, that would be like the back page headline sort of thing. And I know like we are getting more attention on it, but the fact that okay, we're in our infancy with this show, but isn't like the fact that we're kind of putting a spotlight on it shows that this needs more attention. But aside from that, as you say, like this isn't. I think the fact that West Ham lost a player doesn't really detract from how well Arsenal played like they just they went in with the mindset of they're just going to attack 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 and they're like easily like look watching the highlights this could easily ended up in double figures oh yeah definitely like that was I think by the end of it the the West Ham players were just glad it was over um yeah like you said it could have easily been double figures um they were there were there were points where like they should have scored and they didn't even like and they were still hungry even after scoring seven eight nine goals it still looked like they wanted to score 10 11 like yeah so yeah big big team big big scores like they i think they're going to do i think that's something that might be worth looking at i mean the liverpool ladies are in the second division so yeah maybe i'm just going to step up watching Arsenal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Cuz like I know like from again my limited kind of knowledge I know like sort of uh Chelsea and Man City are kind of the big two teams in in that yeah. league but yeah as I say just from watching the past two weeks of Arsenal just rolling over over teams they've surely got to be in that picture and I think they they went the furthest in terms of English teams in the Champions League last season as well yeah. so you kind of think that they want to build upon that and and push for for a higher position in the WSL yeah I think uh, I'd have to double check quickly but I think Arsenal uh, ladies were the first uh, British team to win a domestic treble and win oh, okay. the FA Cup and the league um, I think it was it. I remember because it was, yeah, Arsenal ladies. Uh, they've won four domestic travels. Fucking hell. Because uh, when City did it and uh, someone mentioned in a press conference to Pep, being like, oh, you're the first team to win a domestic treble. And Pep was like, no, we're the first men's team to win a domestic treble. Like, Arsenal ladies has already done it. Yeah. It's like something like Guardiola is putting it out there to be like, no, like the women are already out there doing this stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's cool. Well, before we kind of move on to our sort of final quote unquote segment, um, I did mention in the first episode I'd find out what was going on with Haven at Waterlooville as we kind of shine a spotlight on them. Uh, they had a preseason friendly away to Wildstone. I think I'm pronouncing that correctly. Probably not. Um, they came away with a 3-1 defeat despite going 1-0 up um, at half-time. I think from their match report they've put up, it was sort of three goals in the in the second half that kind of came, uh, led to their, their defeat. So, okay, yeah, it's only a pre-season friendly, but maybe not the greatest sort of signs for what the Hawks have got in the future. But I guess, like... I don't know, as a kind of a guy that, with me that lives down this way, do you keep tabs on, on the Hawks at all? Um, I've just limited tabs. I keep, like, 
check in every so often. Um, I last I, the only time I've watched the Hawks play was uh, I think Preston in an FA Cup game. Uh, yeah, at Wesley Park. Um, but yeah, obviously, and obviously when they played Liverpool, but it's sort of a keep keep as like an idea on them what they're doing. But I think I'd be <laughs> yeah more of a Kingstonian fan when I was up in uni. So yeah, yeah, that's cool. Well, before we kind of round things up, how we're gonna to end our week, so to say, is to pick a punk of the week and uh, a Tory of the week. So um, I'm going to go first just because I know that you want to kind of talk a bit more in depth about your pick, um, Denali. So my punk of the week uh, is Willian. The reason I'm kind of picking him is for the reason we kind of touched on earlier is the fact he's come into a decent Arsenal side on a free transfer and instantly stamped his mark. Um it for me that kind of embodies like the punk attitude of like I don't give a fuck I'm going to do what I'm best at I'm going to create what I create and that's what punks do best and that's what William did best he came into that Arsenal team and orchestrated things straight from day one so William you are my punk of the week uh, Danali who is your punk of the week my punk of the week is uh, Yuki Nakasato I, I hope I said that right. Um, so she is a midfielder for the Chicago Red Stars. Yeah. On a side note, have two of the greatest kits I've ever seen. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but she is uh, she's a World Cup winner uh, with Japan in 2011. Runner up in 2015, and she's gone on loan to a men's team in Japan at Hayabusa 11. Yeah. Probably said that wrong. Uh, but she's gone at the age of 33 to over there to be, and her, like, her reasoning behind it was like, I'm getting better with age. I'm just as good as everyone else. And she sort of like looked uh, towards like Megan Rapinoe, who does a lot of activism off the pitch. And being like, you know, I am as good as the men are. And I want to go and you know, just show, and like, I think it's only an amateur team, I don't think they're like in the top, they're, they're not yeah, yeah. Japanese, but just to, you know, go out there and just show that you can do, obviously like, like we've been saying about like, the women's side of the game is often looked over and not really like given the same amount of attention. Yeah. And, uh, and you can just like, men's team you could have like a, a low division men's team probably get more press and more like column inches than like a top women's team and i think for saying like to her to go out there and show that she is just as good as these men are and takes the pitch and play like you know this sport professionally with them it's just a badass way of going about it just being like you know screw you guys i'm just <laughs> yeah. as good as everyone else is and she's a world cup winner because i think like yeah, great yeah. people out there anyway. Like, she's probably going to be the best player in the team. <laughs> oh, yeah, definitely. Like, as I say, I know it's it's not doing a disservice saying that they're like an amateur mm. team. And like, again, that's not a disservice to her either because, I mean, without this sounding like harsh, but there's always going to be that argument of 
men are stronger than women and whatever but like if you've got the skill and the athletic prowess like it doesn't matter and i'm sure she's gonna yeah show show the men a few tricks or two so yeah definitely like we'll want to keep tabs on what she's doing and, yeah. and how I that mean, progresses she's not like i think she's not, she's not the, the first woman to do it there's been a few others but i think she's probably like the biggest but you know yeah as like a someone that's got international glory picked up loads of medals in when she's playing uh, women's football in japan i don't think the red stars are as good uh i had a look earlier and all her medals for from japan so yeah um but yeah i think yeah it's good go and do it why not why (laughs) a lot especially it's in music as well like there's a lot of separatism between men and women and it doesn't need to be so much yeah and obviously just sport they're everyone's slightly different but it's yeah i'm very interested to see what happens and what people tag on what how well she does cool uh we'll stick with you who's who's your your tory of the week oh um i think my i'm not sure i'm not sure (laughs) you go come back in a second (laughs) all right well mine's not a specific person as such mine's more of a group of people um and it's fulham fans on twitter because, okay, yeah, they lost 3-0 to Arsenal in the first game of the season, but there were already some people on there calling for Scott Parker to make huge mass changes to the defence and things. It's like, you're playing fucking Arsenal, who have Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang, Lacazette, we saw Willian's performance. They've got attacking prowess. Like, you're going to be on the back foot, like chill the fuck out like so it just wound me up and I was like stop being fucking privileged Premier League fans like it'll be all right okay I could be wrong later down the season we could see that Fulham have conceded 100 plus goals by Christmas but I can't see that being the case but it's just like stop being angry for the sake of being angry so Fulham fans on Twitter are my Tories yeah that's I think that's a good shout. I mean, I always get really angry at those immediately kick reactions of like, get rid of it, change it, whatever. He's like, you're one game in, like, give it to me. Yeah, yeah. Got you, Parker. I think he knows what he's doing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. I don't, I haven't really, I mean, I was, I've been a bit, I was busy all yesterday, so I haven't really like had a look at anything. Um, so I think, uh, I'm probably, it's just, again, it's just like a general thing. Um, but I'm going to go with uh, people that comment on Sports Bible. Like, yeah. Because the worst, you're the absolute worst. <laughs> like, uh, yeah, it's just the, it's the people that just take everything so seriously. And uh, you can hit one thing and they start going oh you're, you're an idiot you're doing this and, you know, and it's like at the end of the day I know like Shankly said it's more important than life and death but it is only a game like yeah it's only football um so I guess in the same way as film Twitter fans just people that just people that comment on sports bible posts and just 
you know, you, you're not the best at everything. Like, it, it doesn't, you can pull people down and stuff and you'd be like, mate, tell me a game, let them have fun, let them have their opinion. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Yeah, so you look, just stop it. You're the worst. <laughs> Perfect, brilliant. Well, we do have like Sunday's games and Monday's games, which obviously we haven't touched upon, but I'm sure there'll be more to talk about during the week and so on and so forth. But for now, Denali, thank you very much for, for joining me. I'm sure we'll be having a lot more of these chats throughout the season. Yeah, good. Thanks for having me. No worries, my man. Cool. Perfect. Thank you very much, my friend.